How does technology, which is constantly changing, affect us and our business? And either adapting and changing and going with it or not. So here's the thing, entrepreneurs, leaders, salespeople, we all want to create consistent, repeatable, and scalable ways to grow our business and our income. And we want to do it better, faster, and more seamlessly. Why? So we can actually enjoy our lives, take vacations, and spend the quality time we want with the people that we love. How do we do all this without spending a fortune or running ourselves ragged? That's the big question. And this show is dedicated to the answer. So let's start off with, go ahead, Tom. Listen, I don't think there's enough technology. <laughs> and I'll be as counter saying there's way too much. Yeah. So that, that, shows, yeah. that shows right off the bat how we feel, which yeah. is fun. Um, and, and let's be clear, I'm going to be 50 in 13 months, so it's not like I'm some you know, young chicken who was born and raised with an iPhone and everything else. Um, and yet, I would argue for every one of you inside this room that you are absolutely living through the single greatest generation to be an entrepreneur and to be a salesperson. It has never been as good as it is right now, because you can now, from your phone, as you see right now inside this audience, connect with more people faster and find your tribe. Find the people that dig you. Your point about CRM, I think CRMs are a necessary evil, and yes, there's always a new one coming out, and it's a race to the bottom business. I've only invested in one, and it's sold, and I'm still kind of pissed about who bought it. But regardless of that, if you don't... This hotel, as crappy as it was yesterday from an air conditioning standpoint, <laughs> right? This hotel and the Irvine Marriott and the Four Seasons and the Ritz-Carlton and every other fine hotel and Motel 6 that you know of all runs on the same software. They all have the same processing of booking a room. They all have the same process for charging your credit cards, for managing their business. If you don't have that stuff in place today, my friends, you are a dinosaur and you should basically do something else because the world is moving too fast for you to be arrogant and naive and think that you can't be on YouTube, Facebook, and having a CRM and everything else because the customer is demanding speed and efficiency. Right or wrong? Right, right or wrong, guys? Right. Now, can you get lost in it? Can you become a nerd bucket and never do anything and play on Facebook for 11 hours a day? Yes, but I would argue you were a dumbass before the technology. What's your take, Mike? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it speeds everything up. Yep. It is the greatest place to collect data, yep. store information. It's the fastest way to get information back that you're not familiar with or familiar with. Yep. The challenge we face with technology, because we have to spend millions, both he and I, in our companies, yep. is that it changes every five minutes. So my belief is, yes, it is always going to be a vital part of what we do. However, as Tom said, if you specialize in technology and quit specializing in people, you're not going to sell anything but a computer to each other. Yep. Second thought is that I'm waiting for the day, and he will probably be able to tell us this, when you can send your iPad out to a seller over at Express, and they turn it on, and they list their home with you because of it. I'm 74. I will probably not be alive when that happens. And I'm planning on living another 30 years. Okay, the, so the, I think that's... Yeah, the good news is you'll never have to send your iPad. You'll send a DocuSign email. Oh, we're, already, fill we're, it already, we're, already, we're already doing that. 
I know, I'm, but you I'm would never it. send your iPad. I think it's well. what's going to be fun. And <laughs> well, you know no, what I mean? No, like no, you no, wouldn't Tom, actually Tom, send your iPad. Tom, what you're forgetting yeah. is that the agents are not sophisticated as you are. I'm so, not that sophisticated, but oh, okay. Tom. But here's the thing. Okay. okay, be honest. Be honest. Be honest. I really and listen. I mean, I I stay on the pulse, but I stay in my lane. Is there anybody in the room that's ever listed a house without actually going to the house? Raise your hands. I rest my case. So can we agree that they have very different points of view? <laughs> I, I was mentioning yesterday, and I was taking a photo with my son and, and Mike Ferry, and I told Mike, I said, this is going to be interesting because I work with my son, and there are many things that, where's my son? Where's my son? There he is. There are many things that I don't agree with with Jerry Jr., and obviously, the very stark differences between the fairies is exactly why this is the real deal. Are you with me? A ver el aplauso, claro. Beautiful, beautiful way to start. Beautiful way to start. Hey, but Jay, we're on the same page because we both spend millions of dollars a year on technology, on technology to make sure that our businesses run efficiently. I, I totally get his point of like, you can't just deliver something and have it actually, it's never going to replace the salesperson. But look, my son, Steven, in the back over there. Everybody say hello, Steve-O Supremo in hello, the back. Steve. Right? Steve-O, he and I, three years ago, were sitting at uh, AnimeCon. We put on the Oculus for the first time. And I did say to him, who's, who's ever, you guys know what I'm talking about, Oculus? Right? Started right down the street here by, you know, a, a kid who got out of college at like 14, sold that company for, you know, a billion plus dollars to Facebook. That device, that device there is already right now, if you look at New York and Dubai, where people are putting on that device and they're experiencing the home. They don't get the heat of Dubai, but they experience the home, they see the home, they know exactly what the experience is and can make investment decisions around it. Now, is that gonna happen tomorrow in Chino Hills or Garden Grove or someplace in Los Angeles County? Probably not. But I would argue there was a time when you thought nothing could be better than Blockbuster Video. And how did that work out? Oh, hi. <laughs> okay, gentlemen. Here's, okay. What, here's what we have to remember. Okay, we're spending as much money trying to keep our technology updated yeah. and running, yep. and as much of our people staff keeping our technology functioning as we are getting use out of our technology. And yep. my fear for you folks is that as you get caught up in this hype, because it is probably next to social media the greatest hype in the history of mankind, is, is when you're involved in this hype, you always have to remember how you're going to do a transaction. And that's, and that's where he and I agree every time. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Now, Mike, 15 years ago, I mean, you were, you were the only ticket in I town. I was younger. <laughs> you were the only ticket in town. You had uh, very few competitors, et cetera, maybe two, maybe three. And then what we saw was an opening up of the floodgates, where today there are over 700 coaching, training, sales companies, et cetera, et cetera. You know, there's no shortage of that. Yes. There's an overflooding of that. What, how has that impacted both your business and your business? Mike, let's start with one. Well, it, it, it naturally impacts the business. I refer to the fact that if you look at Southern California, how many here are from Southern California? Okay, so in the 60s, when I got involved in real estate, the biggest company in town was a company called Forrest E. Olson Realtors. There was a small commercial company up in San Francisco and L.A. called Cobalt Banker. They had two offices. 
they made the decision to get involved in residential real estate, and they bought, I think it was 86 offices inside what is that now called Cobalt Banker, which was Forrest Olson. And it's interesting because I had a lot of time with Don and Forrest Olson, who are residents here of Newport Beach. They figured that they virtually started hundreds and hundreds of companies of good people that worked for them that broke off on their own. So what I've experienced, Jerry, and I know Tom is experiencing it right now also, is that as people grow, as they learn, as they become competitive, and as they become a little more ego-based than necessary, they decide that they can do what we do better than we do. The challenge with the competitors is they have no idea what we have to go through to get to where we are today. Um, you know, somebody said to me recently, you're like an overnight sensation. I said, I know it took 54 years to get here, okay, just in real estate, okay? So I, I'm always going to support the competition, and the reason I don't criticize them is because I compete with the business plan that I write every year for my company. Um, I want him to do well. The better he does, the better the family co coexists, which is important. Same with Matt, same with Pat. Um, my daughter is a hairdresser. She, she doesn't compete with us. Um, my other daughter works for me, Michelle, so she's part of this family. But my attitude has always been the same. I can't compete with Tom because we have different beliefs, but I can compete against the plans that I have. If you have a business plan and you compete with it, it doesn't matter what the competition does. So that, that's always been my goal. Okay. The legend. Uh, competition's healthy. If you don't have competition in your life, I, I would argue that you're never going to be your very best. Um, the, the challenge that a lot of people face is they look at what the competition does and they follow the lead. Yeah. To me, that's a defensive play like we talked about yesterday. You don't win in the real estate business playing defense. You only win playing offense, which means write your plan, decide your degrees of separation, who is your tribe you want to work with, model that, work with them, solve their problems, and you win. Look, you and I talk about it all the time. In your industry and ours collectively, let's just call it business, there's just flavors. You with me? He's a flavor. I'm a flavor. Brian Buffini's a flavor. Floyd Bickman was a flavor. You know, every one of them that's out there today that's calling themselves a coach is a flavor. I embrace it because let's face it, my friends, this industry, our industry, needs a lot of help, right or wrong. You got 1.4 million agents and NAR says the average person sells five houses a year. We all know that doesn't actually exist because check the MLS. Half the agents in your MLS have not sold a house this year. And never will. And never will, right? But NAR's not going to fire them and CAR's not going to fire them because dues. Well, watch. NARCAR is a political-based organization. Yeah. They rely on fees being paid yep. by members. Yep. It doesn't matter if you sell a house, as long as they have a million members, they collect X number of dollars. Yeah. Okay, so it's very much like the pay-for-play real estate companies today. It's the same concept. Yeah. So, watch, competition. competition is going to be out there. The challenge that he and I face, as we get stronger in our approach and in our fees, our competition often becomes weaker, and that's the danger that you face. They become weaker, so they, they'll cut back on the material we teach to make it more appealing to you. Because, watch, if you could list two homes a month without talking to people, would that sound like a good program? How about if he and I start a coaching company and we charge you $99 a month? Does that sound appealing? It's not going to happen. Okay? <laughs> right. But 
Well, that's when, the other thing that happens is everybody calls it coaching. Let's be really clear, guys. Yeah. Um, coaching where you're not talking to your coach and dialoguing with your coach is called a conference call. Yeah. It's you guys with me? It's, it's like, training. Yeah. I mean, if I, if I go on Facebook Live and I do a session with 100,000 people, I, I'm saying, hey, if I was your coach, I recommend these things. You with me? But until I say, Joe, look, man, we said we wanted to do X. You're currently doing Y. We either close the gap on that delta or the disparity between your goals and your actuals are going to be different. What do you want to do, man? How can I? And we work on that. Everybody calls themselves a coach. A coach is a one-on-one relationship. It's a mentor. It's a father. It's a parent. That's coaching. Everything else is like going to church and getting a message. Or Does that make I, sense? I produced it. Great answer, great answer. I, one second. I produced a report a couple of years ago, and it was called The Difference Between Coaching and Training. And it's night and day. This is training. Yeah. If I'm sitting with Juan or Neil one-on-one, that's coaching. So we have three or four people at the microphones. Let's take a moment and let's start right yeah. there. Let's go one, let's two, three. Let's go with three. Patricia, right over there. Patricia. Yeah, first of all, thank you for being, and you guys have given us a lot of value. I did some sign up for the summit, Tom. It won't be the first time I attend, and we have continuously gotten value from you. My question is, because of the market turning right now, I get a lot of my, uh, my sellers ask me about the commission. Obviously, it's very important. Do you see the trend changing as far as people not wanting to pay 3% more so than in the past? So, so translate that for yeah, me. I, I, I got I, it ready. Okay, With the ahead. market changing... And, and commission compression being a factor, do you think it's going to be more of a factor or less of a factor? And if so, what would you recommend? All right. So, so look, <laughs> he and yes. I have both done events, events around the world, and we coach people all over the world. If you're in London, the average commission is 1%. If you're in Europe, it's maybe 2%. If you're in Israel, it's 2%. Every transaction closes, and everyone sues one another. <laughs> And they're like, you know, you just sold it to your mom and there's still going to be a lawsuit, right? It's just, the reality is in the U.S. we have the highest fees, right? And, and thank goodness that we do. There is a flavor and a percentage of the marketplace that wants DIY or they want a discount. The challenge is if you aren't having a steady flow, a repeatable and scalable sales business that's bringing in new opportunities every day, you with me on this? Mm-hmm. The one you have that asks for a discount, you're going to take because you're screwed. Now, I'm not saying to you, look, yesterday I think one of your panelists said, hey, I go at 6 and 7%, right? And that's a smart strategy. Hey, I listed at 7%, and they go, 7%? Everyone else said 5 And you're like, hey, for you guys, I'll do it at 5.5%. Like, that's a sales tactic. You with mm-hmm. me on this? Mm-hmm. But make no bones. Commission compression has been happening for the last 15 years, and everyone's saying it's going to continue on this path. 50 Ex- years. Yeah, thank you, right? But I mean, aggressively, because we were at six, and, then, and now the stats show we're at five. You with me? So we see a statistical trend going down. I would argue that's weak agents. That's not matching the consumer expectation. You with me? It's the fact that they think anybody can sell their house because the market's been good, et cetera, right? As the market tightens up, the best agents do better. You should actually be excited about it. So let's take a different approach. What kind of car do you drive? Mercedes. Mercedes. What number on the back? 550. What did she say? 550. 550. All right. So, okay, what car do you drive, Joe? Tesla. 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 Good car. What do you drive? Uh, Tesla. Okay. And a? Uh, Ferrari. Okay. (laughs) I'll trade you. (laughs) I drive a Rolls Royce and a Bentley. 
and a Mercedes, and another Mercedes, and an, and, 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 like a Navigator. Now, why do we buy different cars? Because we see different value yep. in the car. They all do the same thing, and they all basically have the same features, and they all go about the same speed because of speed limits, and they all go to the same destinations. But the challenge with commissions, if you don't provide, and Tom talked about it yesterday, I thought very well, if you don't provide high value, you don't get paid high money. You provide high value, you get paid high money. So commissions are never a problem, in my opinion, if you are a great salesperson providing the highest value for the buyer or the seller. When you do leak on value, you leak on commission. Improve the value, guess what? Next car should be an S600 Maybach. I've got one of those too, okay? I'll, but, I'll go for the Bentley. So <laughs> improve the value. But so you ready? From a tactical standpoint, think about this. The average agent only publishes, here are the 11 things I'm gonna do to get your home sold. I have a client right now in Michigan who has 89 things listed out that they're going to do. So he says provide more value. It's, it's, but you have to be able to demonstrate. You have to be able to say, look, you have lots of choices in our town. There's a lot of people that can hit enter in the MLS, do an open house. Here's the, pretty much the typical marketing plan of most agents. And then here's what we do. And if you can go through all of those or share with them why all of this matters and then demonstrate how when you list a property, you sell it in the first 30 days, you drive this much traffic, you get this many you know, Zillow eyeballs, you show them. Remember Gary Gold? Of course. Gary Gold, so one of our clients, he listed and sold the Playboy Mansion Was a couple of years of ago. <laughs> hey, as long as the money stays in the family, it's all good. <laughs> Competition. But he got that because he did something different than all the other agents. He went and actually, he, we, we call it the reverse engineered listing presentation. He started at the end, not the beginning. He said, let me show you another property I sold in your neighborhood for like 35 million bucks. It started with this. We had three offers. We had 7,000 views here. We had this many people show up. It was different and he got the listing. Does that make sense? Yeah, so you've got to be different. And we're actually doing that thanks to you because we learned that in one of your past summits. And so we do have a presentation of everything that we do and then flyers that we provide and it's awesome. about the value. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, okay. thank you. Good question. Center, Center Mike. Center Mike. Yeah. Hi, Mike. Hi, Tom. Brett Matsura, Century 21 Masters. So having both of you on stage, I'm curious, as the market has shifted and continues to shift, yes. what two or three things would you recommend that agents should be doing in order to adjust and grow their business in the here and now? You go first. What was the question? Two or three things. The market's that the adjusting. Should what do. should they do? What two, are two or three, three things. things Getting in stereo. <laughs> go ahead. Two or three things that agents should do in a changing market yep. to adjust to tomorrow's market. Two, three things to do today. No, no, not Start tomorrow's market. That they can right actually now. adjust and do business, get commissions yeah. this year. Yeah. Start being more honest with sellers on prices. Yeah. Start with that because that's the hardest part because competition is going to force you to up the price and keep the property in the market longer than it should be. Number two, become a lot stronger in what Tom and I just talked about is the value you present. See, two and a half years ago, you listed a property that was three offers in four days, and they bid the price up 5, 10, 15%. That's gone. Now, it's gonna come back because this market is always cyclical. Every five to six years, we hit a peak, we hit a down point. So, then number three, you gotta to talk to more people. You gotta communicate with people yeah. and show them what you can do to help them get their home sold. Um, the, if we took a survey of this audience on how many people you talk to today, um, it would be in single digits. Single digits. And that would be probably strong. 
Yeah, at least so talk to somebody. You've got to talk to people, okay? You've got to provide more value than your competition. And then probably most important, you've got to learn to be honest on pricing. And you can't be honest on pricing if you have one listing presentation every two months. You're going to have to lie about the price to get the listing. So start telling the truth. It's a new concept. <laughs> so, so I'm going to give you a, a couple of thoughts to think about. He's exactly right. You have to talk to way more people. You have to up your game on your listing appointments. But we have to get you listing appointments. So how many different ways do you generate clients now? How many different lead pillars do you have? Five. Tell Prospecting. Me the five. Primarily. Tell me the five. Prospecting's primarily. Okay. Uh, telephone prospecting, so, so prospecting email, who? Facebook, uh, LinkedIn. So there's four. Okay, I think you're full of shit. I actually don't think, I think you, okay. you make phone calls. Do you make phone calls to your database? Do you make phone calls to expireds? Do you call listings and sales? What do you do? Well, I'm on the recruiting side he's of things. A, he's a recruiter. So my okay. focus is my primarily contact source are based on production okay. standards. So in our if office. you're recruiting, let me let me shift it. You ready? Okay. This is what I would if I could wave a magic wand, every country around the world would start with the following. You ready? Three non-negotiables. Number one, you're gonna get up and do something in the morning that makes you feel good, because if you don't feel good, you don't perform well. Right or wrong? And when you feel good, you're more likely to make the call. You're more likely to role play. You're more likely to do the things that give you power. So you have to start with that, which means most of you need to go to bed earlier, drink a lot less, get some rest. You with me? Or develop some discipline for the first time in your life. Yes, same thing. <laughs> Second non-negotiable you need to have is if you're not looking at the hot sheets every single day and understanding the trends of the market, what's selling, what's not selling. I know we talk about that like it's so commonplace, but most agents, maybe not inside this room, but most agents have no idea what the hot bread and butter price point is, don't really know the absorption rate of the higher end, have no clue on how fast things are selling or maybe underperforming in the low end. But if you understand that, you're the knowledge broker. So then when someone asks you about the market, you're more educated. You're also then more inclined to do the third thing, which is I say you have to do five, five, four every day. Five, five, four is the discipline. You ready? You got to talk to five people a day inside your database every day. Five people. You guys with me on this? Right? Hey, checking in. How you doing? If all you do is ask for referrals, then all you do is ask for referrals. Checking in. How's your summer going? Kids ready to get back to school? You're staying top of mind. That's all you want to do. Right? And then twice a year, ask for a referral. Second group, five new people every single day. If I was in this marketplace, a Southern California marketplace, the sky's the limit. There's not as many expired listings, so it's probably not going to be the highest and best. If there are, go after them. Pay attention to the lawsuits that are happening right now, people. Don't get yourself in trouble. That shit is real. You guys hear me? You guys hear me? That's very real. If you are breaking those laws, they are looking, especially California, they are going to come after you. Even me? Yes. So I would be working my database. I'd be doing open houses. I'd be knocking on doors around listings and sales. Make no bones. I would also be looking at all the non-owner occupieds in your marketplace and trying to figure out how I can market to those people. You guys all know the software Remind, started by a former president of, of NARREP. Do you guys know Remind? I would be going into Remind and I would be doing searches in your city for people that are 70 years and older living in two-story houses with zero mortgage. And I would be knocking on their doors every single day, sending them flyers. I'd be following up on them as an example, right? So that'd be my first one. The second thing is, you better get non-myopic today. 
because everybody's on Facebook, everybody's on Instagram, not as many people are on YouTube. You heard that yesterday. LinkedIn, people only go there when looking for a job. So I wouldn't spend a lot of time there. But I'd be looking at that, I'd be looking at open houses, I'd be looking at starting a farm, I'd be looking at creating my own show. You heard a lot of people talk about it. Like I'm, they're trying different things to reach as many people as they can to find the people that match their criteria. So it's make the calls, five, make the calls, five, the four is lead follow-up. The discipline, so, right? So I would just say what Tom said, five, five, four, just do it times three. <laughs> and you have a better chance. Okay. I like that. I like Thank that. You. 15, Beautiful. 15, 12, let's go. For someone who has a scalable, repeatable source of revenue, how much should they be putting back okay. into the business and what are, okay. what's an appropriate net margin so, in reinvestment? So what do you think is the appropriate net margin after taxes and how much should someone invest into their business to keep it growing? I wouldn't touch that with a 100-foot pole. Everybody say why. Because every single person is going to get different advice from their CPA, their accountant, on how they're going to set up their tax structure. And it, it varies virtually from person to person. We coach several thousand people, and maybe 5% have the same philosophy on how they should do it. Now, I will tell you that for taxes, for me, it's the rent you pay to live in this country. And if you don't pay your taxes, get the hell out. So that's, I'm, very, I'm very clear on that. So at the same time, I'm not going to say to Joe or to anybody, you should always do this in how to pay or avoid taxes. I don't get involved in those conversations. I'm a sales coach. I want you to create the income and then hire the experts like he and I to take care of that money for you. Okay. I'll touch it with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> You're in business to create a profit, yes or no? Yeah. Okay, so what did I say to you guys yesterday? 80-90% of the agents, they get a check into their personal account and they spend it all. And it's gone. Did you guys pay attention to that yesterday? Yeah. And then I said, you know, maybe 15% of them, they put money into their tax account and it goes over there because they recognize that $10,000 check is not all theirs. You with me? But let's, let's just talk about that balance part. I would argue that today, if you're not investing 10%, 10% of your business back into your business to grow, that's why your business stays where it is and it's probably shrinking. Every business on the planet advertises, gets the word out, wants more referrals, email marketing is free, you know, online advertising, flyers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You heard one of our panelists yesterday say, hey, no, I'm spending 20% right now, 20%. Now, I know his margin. I know his profit. It's very large. But be clear, last year he did 248 deals. He's already at 248 year to date, right? So you invest to grow. Be very mindful of that you invest to grow. When it comes to the net, if you're not netting 30 to 40% after taxes and all your expenses and whatever your CPA advises, you know, do you write a percentage of your car off? We're in California, you can't write shit off anymore. Right? So, you know, play the game. But if you're not, if you're not, if you're making 300000 bucks and you're not pocketing hundred grand at the end of the year, you're doing something wrong. Okay, here's a thought. Teach them how to make money before you teach them what to do with it. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Good. Let's go to Jerry, yes. and yeah. we'll come back over yeah. here. We'll, we'll get right to that question, but before we do, I want to talk about market disruptors. Market disruptors. So we have Open Door. We have, you know, Purple Bricks. Purple Zillow. Bricks is gone. I, that's, yeah, yeah. that's part of the point. Yeah. Um, you know, the iBuyer. Yeah. How does all this affect the agent that's doing 10, 15, 20 deals? Take us to disruptors. What can you say about them? Well, anything that comes up new is now termed a disruptor. I just did a little email to my coaching clients on 
some of the favorite expressions of today. I went to a seminar, it was epic. <laughs> I went to a seminar, it was a game changer. I went to a seminar and I crushed it. Today it's disruptor. So I, I, I discount that whole thought process because anytime you don't have new competition, you're not staying on your toes and the new competition keeps you at the height of what your productivity should be. So I, I always say, yes, there's always going to be a disruptor. When Tom started 14, 15 years ago, he was a disruptor. Yeah, yeah. And then Matt started a year later, he was a disruptor, okay? And then I've had employees come to work for me and that disrupted it because it changed my payroll. Then they left, changed my payroll back again. So the truth is, you know, um, my doctor says I have to lose weight. That's a disruption, okay? <laughs> I don't want to lose your chocolate consumption. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I, I really would say to all of you, there's always going to be a new shiny nickel out there. My concern is that when you look at the money behind the disruption, so much of it is coming out of Northern California, technology money. They have a lot of money to burn. And my concern is if there is a major dip in the market, which it's apparent it will take place because it happens every five or six years, Jerry then some of that major money that is funding some of these disruptions will start to pull back because these are business people that are trying to make a profit, okay? So I, I'm about as concerned about disruptions as I am falling off the stage, okay? So I don't, I don't even get involved in it because there's always going to be a new thing and that's what keeps the world alive. So if you focus on the new thing and don't focus on your thing, that new thing takes over your thing. Okay. I mean, I pay attention to all the trends. I watch very carefully what a lot of these companies are doing. I've invested in a lot. I passed on investing in Open Door, right? Fundamentally, I, did, I thought cutting the age now was a bad idea. I think Redfin is the devil. I don't, I don't care what you think. I'm just telling you. Like, I just think, you know, Glenn is going to drive profitability and brokerage down. He's going to, you know, he's, they're just trying to create it by different mousetraps. Let me share a thought now to show you how much fun we have. Everything you said about Redfin, I feel about Zillow. Yeah, yeah. And, and I know Tom is a big supporter of Zillow, which I, I, yes. I support his support. Yeah. So I think if you focus on those, you're not focusing on what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. That's the, the, that's the catch. The thing you got to be mindful of is if you're in the buy box of all... Let's be clear, 11.5% of all transactions in our country for as long as I can remember were investor deals, Yeah. right? So, so all we're talking about is them either taking a piece of that or adding to it. You saw the slide I showed you guys yesterday. A lot of people think that iBuyer could end up at 5% of the market, 10% of the market. The bottom line is this. Look at our industry, my friends. There's an $86 billion commission play and the vast majority in, this, in the industry aren't running their business like a business. They're not paying attention to what the consumer demands are. They want to push a button and have magic happen. And some of you, you get a lead, you don't follow up for a day or two. No, How long do you think that's going to last? A month or two. Exactly. <laughs> so, so I say you should first and foremost align with those that have at least agent intentions that are positive. You with me? Like a Zillow, like a realtor, et cetera, like realtor.com, like they're still pro-agent, right? The ones that are not pro-agent, look, you better figure out your degrees of separation on your presentation as to what you can do better or different to get here, them a higher here's net. A here's a different approach. Anybody here with C21? Woo. 
you know, of course, now that you guys are now competing with the I offer, I this, I that, and you them. They're now doing the same thing. They started in yes. Texas, they're going to Illinois. Yes. So everybody is going to, thank you, everybody's going to eventually I be don't get doing vodka? That. <laughs> this is vodka. Here's to us, okay? Everybody's going to be doing it at some level. Yep. But I'm talking to one of my clients in Dallas last week, and I said, because, you know, the I offer, I crap is in that marketplace heavily. I said, how many transactions did they do in the last 12 months? He said, 400. I said, how many did you do? He said, 2,400. Is anybody else in town doing 400? He said, a lot of companies. I said, well, good, you have a new competitor. Move on. Yep, yep. Just make sure you understand their margins and how they buy so you can educate your customers. We're seeing a lot of brokerages now market and individual agents and teams market. Look, we have multiple solutions. We've got, a, we've got an iBuyer program and a yeah. traditional because what they want is, I want the at-bat on the listing appointment. Yeah. So if they say, yeah, look, we'll sell it for 9%, you know, less than what it's actually worth. Or would, you, would you buy that deal? Let me restate this. They'll sell you the house for 9% less than what it's worth. Would you or buy 11. that deal? Yeah. Okay, just want to make sure we're on the same page. If you don't, send them to me. I will buy them. <laughs> right? That's a no-brainer, right? But it, you got to get the at-bats. You don't want to lose to open door right, and not even get to the kitchen table. Does that make sense? you got to get to the kitchen table, so make sure you're positioning yourself properly and then doing your best to do what you do best. Robert. Robert. Hey, good morning. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Tom. Robert Gomez. I want to talk about scheduling. I've known Tom for many years, but no offense to Tom, I'm your dad. I've known him a lot longer, and he's a big mentor to me, so I appreciate both you guys. I've known him longer. I know, <laughs> but, but lo lo love both you guys. So big round of applause for both you guys. Big round of applause, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I hear Joe Biascusa and Neil Schwartz talking about basic standards. BS Insurance Agents, 2.3 deals closed a month, right, Joe? Okay, so with all your technique, with all your ideas, a lot of agents in here, because I've been doing this 30 plus years, I see their schedule being abhorrent at best. There's a guy next to me right now that's going to close 60 deals this year. So if you're going to give agents here a concrete idea today, Walk them through a schedule that's going to get them at least 30 deals close a year. Because I think a lot of agents have all these great ideas, but they don't have a daily schedule to make it happen. That's the biggest misconnect I see. I got it. I got it. What's the ideal daily schedule for someone that wants to close two to three deals a month? Minimum. Thank you, guys. Start by showing up. Very few agents do. Meaning, come to the office. And then come to the office in a workable schedule. I always say to people this. If you had a real job and you were being paid 120000 a year, would the company require that you appear at the job, yes or no? Yes. All right. So work under the assumption, whatever the goal is, 100000 300000 500000 that you have a schedule that a company would force you to keep to earn that kind of income. But technically, if you look at the fact, and I brought it up yesterday and so did Tom, if you role play in practice a little bit every day, if you're involved in lead generation, and we call it 100 things, but it's prospecting, if you're involved in lead follow-up for 20, 30 minutes a day, if you pre-qualify every buyer-seller appointment before you go on the appointment, you spend 30, 40 minutes in preparation for the appointment, your pre-listing package, etc., and then you actually set aside listing presentation time, all you have to do is back that into the number of deals you want to do to see how much time you have to show up. Here's what I don't understand, and he and I have had a thousand conversations over the years. How in the world 
do you work 30, 40, 50 hours a week in real estate and never sell a house? <laughs> do, you, do you realize how good you are at nothing? <laughs> I mean, you know. Somebody on my team, please tweet that out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you, be, you, got, you got a PhD in nothing. Now, Tom has a PhD. Just ask Stephen. Papa has dough, okay? <laughs> I got a PhD. His papa has dough. You got a PhD in nothing if you're working 40 hours a week and not doing a deal. So I use this example. Joe and I have talked about it many times. If Juan Martinez said to you today that you have 48 hours to take a listing, and if you didn't get a listing in 48 hours, you lose your license for life, and you go to a federal penitentiary for five years, could you get a listing? Yes. You'd list your own home. Yep. And it would be overpriced. Yes. And a short sale. So until, and Tom and I agree on this, we talk about it, until you create the internal desire, motivation, discipline to go do your darn job, it doesn't matter what the schedule is. You've got to have the desire, okay? When I started this business of mine 44 years ago, I had four wonderful kids that were little kids. I had an ex-wife. I was paying a lot of money out in that time. I had no choice. Either do seminars, make money, or I was finished. So guess what? I had the motivation to do it. Yeah. I mean, if I told you what I lived like that first couple of years, you would be depressed because it was depressing. But at the same time, I had the desire to do something. Build the desire, you know, entice the flame to a higher level of heat, and then you'll follow any schedule you need to follow. Yep. Okay? I got a little on that. Please. All right, ready? All the data shows you'll maximize your opportunity to get people on the phone 9 to 11 yep. and 4 to 6 every yep. day. 9 Absolutely. to 11 and 4 to 6. So what I tell my clients is if you're in high growth mode, you build your entire schedule around 9 to 11, 4 to 6. You know at 8 o'clock in the morning you should be probably getting near the office. Maybe you've got the MLS at home. You've got to do your daily hot sheets. You've got to know the pulse of the market. You get to the office, you get on the phone from 9 to 11, that is, the, that is the best time to do it, ready? And then four to six. And then from there, the only intention should be to make sure you're managing your transactions, keeping your assistant and you on the same page, if no assistant, reaching out to your loan officer, your escrow officer, your title rep, are my deals good? If you have no deals, maybe you should stay on the phone longer. You with me? Look up here. Unless you're taking a client or a potential prospect to lunch, Going to lunch with real estate agents is the stupidest thing on the planet. You with me? First Times a hundred. Right? What do you want for lunch? I don't know. Chinese, like it's an hour of trying to figure it out, right? And then nobody wants to pay the bill. And then you all go back to the office too full, eat for 15 minutes, and get back to work. Does that make sense? Right? Unless, it's, unless I'm going to meet a client, unless it's an opportunity. Other than that, I never leave my office. I eat, and then I get back, right back to work. Your afternoon should be all appointments. The only disruption is going to be if a seller calls you and says, hey, I can only meet at 9.30 a.m. I'm ready to list my house. What do you do? All right, you, so let me you, give you a... You go, and you go list that house, and then you make up your four to six time. So to add to that, if you actually, each of you individually decide how many listing appointments you want to have per month, and let's say that your goal is to have six a month, one and a half a week, and you predetermine when you would like to go on that appointment. You yeah. put it in your schedule in ink. Then you spend all of your time working to fill that slot. And if you fill that slot, you got an appointment. 
So it's really, it's such a simple thing, scheduling, it will make it complicated because we're looking for things to do that don't bring us results. And that's the tragic part of our crazy business. Uh, if you work for Tom or work for I and you don't get results, you're fired. It's yeah. not complicated. But in real estate, if you don't do anything, you get promoted. <laughs> or you start your own damn company, which is even worse, okay? Yeah. So, Jerry first. Yes, or, let's or, take that question over there. Gina, go ahead. Good morning, much, thank you. How much time do we have? Ten minutes, good. Thank you both, Mike and Tom. Um, this has been amazing. I have seen both of you at your seminars, and I'm going to be very honest. I absolutely love Tom's seminars. They're so high upbeat and excited, and 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 I love Mike, his seminars. But I'm one of those not so hardworking agents. I'm honest. So I feel like the numbers are way too big for me to even try and tackle with Mike. I'm wondering if there's a combination that you two can give someone like me where I can use both of your systems. Be really clear. Everybody uses, okay, so she's like, Tom, I love your energy. Mike, your numbers, you know, make me nervous. Am I getting them paraphrasing? How do I blend the two together? Because she doesn't want to work that hard. Smoke dope. <laughs> I mean, did I, is that, a, you know, uh, uh, hey, hey, hey. Okay, look, look up here, guys. I want to be, okay, so I want to be very clear. We have tons of people on the Wall Street Journal list, the America's Best list, all that stuff, and I, and I honor all of their ambitions. I think about, like, my sister-in-law when her and her now ex were going through some issues, and she was going from raising two amazing kids, calls me and says, I'm thinking about getting my real estate license. What do you think? And my response was, anybody can sell a home now and then. You with me? You got to do a little work. And we talked about it. She built her schedule around her two kids that were basically drop them off at school, pick them up at three o'clock, you know, wrestling mom, soccer mom, all that stuff. She was still able to do 18 deals a year. The, the advantage of this business is you can be highly productive using the technology, et cetera, et cetera, if you do marketing and lead generation. If you do marketing and lead generation. If you don't, then you're in a constant state of panic. Okay, so watch this thought. What kind of car do you drive? Mercedes. And what does your husband drive? Mercedes. Okay, what's numbers on the back of both? His is a 430. Oh, 550. <laughs> I forget the numbers. Same number on and both. And mine is CLS 550, I think. Again, I don't, I don't know. So two different models of the yep. same brand. Y yeah. Yes. So you've already blended Tom and Mike together. I was totally wondering, where is he going with this? You never know how yeah. this is going to work. Yeah. <laughs> True. Because what yeah. you're doing is you're, watch, do you have any furniture in your house that doesn't match? Yes. Tom and Mike. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So it's, it's, I like the Mercedes thing yeah. a little bit better. Yeah. Well, if it's expensive yeah. furniture. It's just normal. Okay. Okay. Now, the, the suicide takes place in real estate when you decide to pick six or seven coaches, mentors, and do a little of each. Because then, as Tom said, you're going to pick the easiest part. And yeah. see, the problem I have, I don't have an easy part. Work your butt off every day. Yeah. Do exactly what I say. Follow the scripts verbatim. Don't bury a word. Every time I find somebody that does that, they make a ton of money. But that's hard work. Okay, I mean, folks, I did 500 seminars between 1973 and 75 before I ever got paid to do one. 500 wow. for free. 
and I almost went broke trying to learn how to do this crazy business. No, 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 don't applaud because my ex-wife and kids were not applauding. Okay, and I was spending, hungry birds. Yeah, I was spending a hundred percent of my income providing for the kids and the family at that time. It takes enormous amounts of energy and effort to succeed in any business at a level higher than you are. He and I are always going to have a different approach. Blend them, and you're going to probably have better success. Yeah. And Thank you. you. No, I'm his kid. You with me? Like people, are like, yes. what was it like being raised by Mike Ferry? Right? Like you, I get that kind of stuff. I talk about the same discipline. Yes. I just bring in a lot other different marketing, lead generation, mindset, etc. But at my core, it is. I mean, did you watch my Instagram story yesterday? Yes. Right. Is I have three kids. They're all licensed. Two of them are sitting here, so I totally relate. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Who followed me? Who follows me on Instagram? Okay, I love you all. The rest of you, maybe get on Instagram and then follow me. I've answered probably 3,200 questions. I don't know in the last eight months, and many of you have seen this. It's arguably one of the most popular, fun little ideas I've had. So that's another place you can reach out. And I literally, I, I get questions. Now this is like on my public page. Tom, I'm thinking about divorcing my husband. What are your thoughts? <laughs> Notice I have not published one of those. I send that person a private message, um, but, but I can do that for you as well. So, Were you going to say something, Mike? No, any other, no any other questions. Yeah. Okay. Here's the thing, guys. Whichever you do, as Mike Ferry said yesterday, get involved. Get involved with my company, get involved with my son's company, but get involved. Do something different to take your business to the next level. And I can show some source of love for that. that that's a good piece of advice. Thank you. Get involved. Okay, question right over there. Hey, good morning, Mike. Uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, I work with the office of Juan Martinez. I have the great honor of being with him for the last four years and with Mike since I joined his office. So I've learned a lot over the years about sales, scripts. Um, and I'm still perfecting it, and that's the beauty of it. I'm growing my business. Uh, my question is in regards to management. Um, this is my first summer that I have with a buyer's agent. Um, Juan Martinez has done a phenomenal job by setting the example, keeping the accountability, and motivating me. I have motivation within myself, but how do you instill that in others? And what's the best advice that you both can give me in order to, to grow my business? What's the best way to manage a buyer's agent? Yes, basically. What's the best well, way to manage a buyer's agent? First of all, training. Second, daily communication. Third, assignments and tasks that they have to fulfill. Fourth, minimum standards of productivity that they have to meet. Fifth, maintaining a low commission structure so it makes it worth your while to have one. And most agents get in trouble because they want to pay their buyer's agents a major portion of what they earn and then they have no net income to themselves. So just, just look at the fact that if you're going to commit to a buyer's agent, you've got to train them, you've got to hold them accountable, you've got to have daily communication, you've got to really hold them accountable to the leads they have, are they calling, setting appointments, then you have to have standards that they have to make for you to maintain having them on the staff. It's, it's a tough thing to do. 99% of all agents should never have a buyer's agent. Simply find an agent in the office that you can refer the buyers you don't want to and take a 25% referral fee and you'll have a higher net profit in your pocket. Yeah. Okay. The other, uh, just, just consider this, is make sure you're in, you, you have the right expectations of them, right? They're yep. joining because they're looking for the leadership that my dad just mentioned. That's why they're aligning themselves with you. The, the failure that most team leaders make is they want them to produce at the same level I produce. And my response is, then why would they be on your team at that split? 
You with me? Or what's worse, they never produced, and then they want to hire people to produce for them. Yeah, that's, and that's, well, that's very a whole common. other issue. Yeah. So here's, here's a little inside nugget, because we coach a lot of teams. If you wanted to have, for example, three transactions a month from your buyer agent team, you probably need three people. Two will never sell a house, one will sell three, and then the next month they switch, and then the next month they switch. It's just, it's the nature of the beast. You with me? Yeah. It's okay. a lot of emotional management as well. So let's do this. Let's take Diane, and then we're going to meet you outside at the break. Okay? Good. Because he, he asked 14,000 questions yesterday. <laughs> That's true. We all used to work together, which is great. Yeah. Hi, Diane Medici, head coach for Century 21 Masters, Neil Schwartz's office. And, thank, thank and, you for the and former sister-in-law. And daughter-in-law. Yes. <laughs> fam, fam. So, so my question is And this. the mother of my first grandchild. Yes. yes. I, I carry the first grandchild. She's an important lady. <laughs> so my question is this. With all the choices they have and all the shortcuts that are out there, what would you tell the agent that is looking to increase their production when they're listening and looking for you to tell them what they want to hear versus what they need to hear? What do you say to the person that wants to increase their production, but the last part confused me? They're, they're, they want, they're looking for you to tell them what they want to hear, the oh. shortcut, the magic yeah. pill, versus yeah, what yeah. they need to hear. Yeah. So how do you get around that? How do you yeah. get around the person? How do you get somebody to sort of care front the truth about what it takes to be successful when all they want is the shortcut, the easy path, et cetera. Anybody have a seller that wants more than what it's worth for their house? Okay, everybody raise your hand. Okay, because if you don't, you're lying, all right? <laughs> or you have no listings. Or you have no listings. So the only way that you can deal with the seller or the agent is through confrontation. Confrontation is not getting angry, getting upset, beating somebody up. Confrontation is asking questions about the activities that they're not involved in to lead them to a decision. Those activities will make a difference. So it's the ability to ask questions, which is the same thing you do with the seller on a listing presentation. But at the same time, our friend Mike Vance, who both of us knew very well until he passed away, Mike Vance said he was a lieutenant in the Marine Corps during the Korean War. And he said, if you think it's hard to motivate people, think about this. He said, I had several hundred men that worked underneath me in the war. And when the motivation was to live or die based on what I told them to do, and a good portion died because they would never do what I asked them to do, that shows you how unwilling people are to take instruction and orders. Instruction and orders are only valuable if the person has the desire to change your behavior. So I think the first thing you have to do is say, yes, you tell me you want to do more business. Tell me what behaviors you're involved in and what we need to change to make that happen. And you're a good coach. You can formulate that for them. Yeah, thank yeah. you. The thing, I, I mean, all of that and everyone on the planet is motivated to do something. Right? Trevor's motivated, you're right. motivated, I'm motivated, Tristan's motivated, my dad's. We're all motivated to do something. The key is to tap into what really motivates them, what really drives them. And you remember value elicitation, kind of NLP training 101, right? Absolutely. So doing a value elicitation to find out what's really inside their heart, what really matters to them, and then it's rigorous accountability. All the, listen guys, all the results show up when someone looks you in the eye and says, Neil, text me every day at six o'clock in the morning, and if you don't, I'm taking that check that you just gave me for $10,000 and I'm sending it 
you know, to whatever political party you don't like. <laughs> you with me? And then I'm going to run Facebook ads for a week with your check and a photo of you to all of your database, letting them know that. Both people. You with me? So, <laughs> so you, once, you, once you establish what really matters to the person, and we know how to do that as coaches, Absolutely. then you've got to create that rigorous accountability because everybody go like this. Put your arm out like this. Just put your arm out like this. This is called your goals, right? Mm -hmm. And you're, you're committed, right or wrong? You guys in? Like, goals, let's go for it. I'm in, man, dying. Show me how to do it. Now everybody, without killing your neighbor, go like this. <laughs> These are your behaviors. So here's your goal. Here's your behaviors. Which one wins? You shrink to your behaviors. So what do we need to do? You need to create accountability to align your behaviors with your ambition. Does that make sense? Cool. Closing thoughts. Last thought. Last thought of the day. Give Last thought of the day. Well, you know, this, this organization is designed to promote goodwill, productivity, community activities, community action, to blend what we do with the rest of the world. The organization is only as good as your participation in those activities we talk about and that Gary is leading us to. So my closing thought would be this is a wonderful opportunity for every person in this room to make a little change in their community for what they're trying to accomplish. And I know that's what your goal and your goal and your goal is. So I think my closing thought would be I think it's been so far a great one day and one hour and I know the next two hours will be better. Yeah, very nice. Um, my closing thoughts, yeah, first of all. Um, my closing thought to you is twofold. Ideas are meaningless. The only thing that matters is action. So all these things you wrote down, what are you actually going to do to align your behaviors? That would be my first thought. The second one is, the gentleman standing right over there has become a really good friend of mine. That's Andy Dane Carter. Everybody say hello, Andy. Hello, Andy. Andy, the reason I'm inspired by this guy is raised by a single mom who moved around way too much, unfortunately, now has out teaching people how he transformed his life, buying a lot of real estate as an agent, helping investors and ultimately himself. I would strongly encourage you to pay attention because he wants every one of you to own a hundred doors in your life. Are you guys up for that? Yeah. Are you guys up for that? Yeah. So I'd say really pay attention. And lastly, thank you for getting us together. If you want more information about this episode, including my show notes, mentions, links, and everything else, make sure you visit tomferry.com slash podcast. That's tomferry.com slash podcast. Thanks again and talk to you soon.